welcome to today's Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington, and today's episode is 1816. Today I'm going to talk about a recap of the WFA Championship uh, from an owner's perspective, and then the next thing I'm going to do is give you a rundown of my seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team. If I have time at the end of the show, then I'm also going to give some ideas on what teams should be doing right now, um, just one week after the WFA Championship, to start getting ready for the 2019 season. So, um, without further ado, real quick uh, disclaimer, uh, my name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I am owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team, co-owners with uh, Maria Spencer and Joseph Ellington, um, but I am also an attorney. And the disclaimer is that I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. So all this information that I put out on digital media, um, actual our, our articles, our books, our eBooks, our websites, our webinars, all this information is for business purposes only and it does not create an attorney-client relationship between the two of us. So if you have a legal issue and uh, you need to speak to an attorney, talk to somebody in your jurisdiction with expertise in the area of your concern. So uh, with that being said, I want to talk about the Women's Football um, Alliance Championship that happened this past weekend, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Coach Mike and I, uh, we got there on Friday, so I wasn't able to go to the meet and greet on Thursday evening. Um, but I hear it was um, it was a pretty big turnout and a lot of people were able to connect. Um, we got there on Friday and actually went to the, uh, we went to all the football games. So we started out at the Division Three football game and the uh, Anarchy beat the Arkansas Wildcats. And if you want to hear more about the details and the play-by-play, -play, that's, that's on a different um show so you're not going to get any play-by-play -play recap or anything here um, I usually talk more about um, logistics and the business side of it as opposed to the football side of it so um, that that um, game was a blowout um, unfortunately everybody thought that um, the Little Rock Wildcats were going to come and dominate and um, the anarchy really um, gave them a run for their money and actually succeeded in doing so. Um, and, and the Anarchy won the game. That game was um, early. It was about 3 o'clock. And it happened while um, a practice was going on um, on the other field. So it happened on the lower field. Um, I'm going to say that there was probably about 200 people at that game-ish. Um, um, but I don't have the exact numbers. This is just off of the pictures that I've taken. Uh, I'm going to say 200 to 250 um, at that game, maybe 300. Um, but there was concession stands. There was beer um, able to be sold. Um, and then they also had some food, um, light food. And then um, as the Division Three game ended, um, there was a transition to the Division Two game starting about 30, 45 minutes um, was the time frame. So some people ran and got some food and came back. Um, some people that hadn't been able to be at the Division Three game were able to come to the Division Two game. 
Um, that game was super competitive, um, as everybody knows. And as a, if you've watched the Dallas Elite radio show that was on on Monday, or if you've watched uh, some of the other shows that have recapped it, um, super competitive game. Um, the New York Sharks and the Minnesota Vixen have been around for a very long time. They've been playing football for a long time, so they've 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 got their craft down as far as the the football is concerned, and they've been able to be successful for several years. Now, it's my understanding. Ooh, sorry, yawn. Um, uh, still getting up for the morning. Um, it's my understanding that the New York Sharks are this was their twentieth year, so they're going out with a bang. They won the they won the game. Um, but they are no longer going to be the New York Sharks. Uh, my understanding is the name is going to be the New York Wolves. So, um, shout out to them. Like I said, uh, we spoke to the owner and, um, they've been around a long time. So it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, my understanding is, is that she's going to be able to do some things, uh, so focus more on her art and, and do some other things that she wants to accomplish in her life, and that's great. But it is bittersweet that the, a team is going away and, and a new team starting. Now I don't know how much of it, um, how much of the team is staying and, and transitioning to, um, from the Sharks to the Wolves, but we'll see that I guess here as the in the coming months. Um, the Minnesota Vixen also traveled a far, far distance to come to the championship. Um, and like I said, it was a super competitive game. Um, each team had over 40 players on the sidelines, like healthy players, it looked like. Um, some of them upwards of, you know, 46, 47. And then, of course, they each had a support staff with them. Then um, after that game, that game ended probably about 11 o'clock, so it ended a little later than expected, but that, that happens. Um, and then on... The next day, Saturday morning, um, we actually slept in, so that was pretty awesome. It's kind of nice actually being an owner and not having any responsibility um, during the football games because we were just able to actually sit and watch and um, enjoy the football and connect with some people that we hadn't seen in a very long time. Um, so anyway, so we went on to Division uh, 2. I'm sorry. We went on to the All-American game on Saturday morning. And um, that start that started actually at three in the afternoon. We got to the game to the stadium. We were able to get there around two ish. Um, we got there um, right when it opened, and it was super quiet. There was still nobody there. Maybe you know five, maybe five ten people there when we got there. Um, and because uh, we weren't sure what to expect as far as lines or if there was going to be one. Uh, one entrance or you know if there's going to be a flood of people to come in and it was going to be first come first serve as far as space and stuff um, so we we wanted to be there early but anyway so um, security was good they check you through security you couldn't bring your bags in um, and uh, they were really good at, at uh, monitoring that as far as I'm concerned um, I'm sure there's a couple bags that got in because we talk about it in the owner's <laughs> owner's box that one of the owners had to go back to her car and put her bag in her car while another owner walked in the owner's suite with the bag on so they were they were going back and forth about how one of the owners got her bag in but anyway 
Um, it was super cute. The um, At 3 o'clock, the game started. The All-American game started. And um, we were actually up in the owner's suite, uh, which was pretty cool. Now, I don't know the exact details about prices and costs and stuff like that. Um, I know for an owner, it was if you paid $30, you got into all of the events all weekend long for 30 bucks. So that was a pretty good deal. And I mean, I guess that's, you know, we put in a lot of money throughout the season. So that was kind of a, a nice uh, a reward, if, I, if you may, um, to not have to pay um, so much. Uh, my understanding is, is you could get a pass for a day. You could get a pass for both days. Um, or you could just go game by game if there were certain games you weren't going to go to. Um, and let me back up real quick. Uh, there was a um, bar pass or an after party pass for Friday night um, that included like five bars and different things at each bar and you could hop from bar to bar, etc. So um, shout out to April with the Atlanta Phoenix. Um, she really went above and beyond. She got some some good things set up and, and really tried to make sure that um, it was not only family friendly, but also, you know, you could go and um, do some drinking and celebrating if you wanted to as an adult. So um, shout out to her. So after the All-American game, they had a combine type competition, which was best of the best in the WFA. So people did throwing, running, um, various tasks. I was busy talking to other owners during that time, so I didn't get to really um, focus on the exact things they have, but it's on the website. So they did a 40-yard dash. They did a, a passing um, competition. They did a catching competition um, and various things. I know they weren't able to do the strongest competition um, just because I talked to um, April um, the day before uh, when she found out that um, the stadium would not allow um, the heavy uh, tire that they were going to use to figure strongest woman competition um, because they didn't want it to indent or put any pressure on the field and damage the field. Um, then they talked about doing a bench and a weight, you know, a weight set. And they didn't. They weren't going to move that out onto the field and and risk hurting the field either. So that part of the competition was canceled. Um, a lot of those things you can't you you plan plan to have these different things, but you cannot plan for everything that's going to happen and what all of the people in charge are going to do or say. So um, I thought that everybody um, worked together very well and were very flexible getting things set up and. Uh, you know, torn down and connected and everything. So the championship game started at, uh, promptly at seven o'clock. I mean, it was it went really well. Um, things there was a little bit of a break between the um, strongest, the best of the best competition, and then the championship game, and that um, being Boston versus uh, L.A. If you weren't able to be there, you can live stream it, um, and you, you can still watch it today. So um, if you didn't get a chance to do that. Now, the only thing from an owner's perspective that I'm bummed about is usually, and we, we played in Atlanta before, so usually the live streaming crew was on the away side stands, 
Um, this time I saw them setting up a tent over them because it was fairly windy um, where they were trying to set up. And so you could see the tent kind of blowing in the wind. So I don't know if that was affected like the audio um, or anything like that. But I noticed that right before the game, that was moved. And so I, I'm assuming it came to the home side. So when you watch the live stream, all you see is these empty stands. So people are not going to get a good perception of what actually happened or how many people were there. I took lots of pictures. I went out into the stands and took pictures of people in the stands. So I'm going to post those so that people can see how many people were there. And even those pictures don't do justice because you had the people in the stands and then above that were the uh, suites. There was, I want to say, there's 12 or 14 suites. I know there's at least 12 suites because I saw the numbers. Um, I, I went into all, one, through, one through seven and eight, but I didn't continue, continue walking down to see who were in the other suites. But I know... Uh, Acadiana Zydeco had a suite. Um, I know the Detroit Dark Angels had a suite. Um, so I know uh, that several teams that took a lot of players. I know Detroit had a ton of players there because um, they stood next to us during the Division Three football game the day before. Um, and I talked. We talked to their coach and owner um, in the owner suite and. Um, so they brought down at least 12 or 14 girls that I saw. I was pretty impressed with the number, especially from that far away because De Detroit to Detroit to Atlanta is no joke. So um, with that being said, the, the championship, you know, as a game, like I said, I don't go over the game. Um, I always root for the underdog. And, of course, I was rooting for Lisa King um, and super bummed. Caught a bunch of great passes. Um, the team really continued. I mean, just did not stop. Did not stop. Did not give up um, to the end. But, um, you know, the, the, the point spread was pretty far. But they were still up even up until the last few minutes trying to um, do some quick, some quick turnovers and quick things to um, get, get the score up. But. In the end, um, Boston, you know, won, and they're a very good team. They very quality, quality football. Um, but with that being said, um, it is what it is. I, you know, I uh, props to Boston, and um, I'm sure they'll come back next year trying to get another championship. So it's our job, all all of us other uh, teams that are that we're not there this year. Um, it's our job to um, hustle and win some more games um, so that we can get to those playoffs and, and get through the playoffs back uh, to the championship game. So anyway, with that being said, um, I, w I was very impressed with the, the turnout that we had. I mean, I know Boston for sure brought at least 40, 40 or 50 people with them. Um, because we actually at the end, towards the end of the game, probably third and fourth quarter, um, we came out of the owner's suite and went down into the stands and, and sat um, right in the middle. Um, and there were a ton of people there. Now, there were some L.A. Warrior fans as well, um, but um, Boston was really making making some noise. 
and there were it was just great to see all the um, different women's football teams, uh, just players from different teams sitting together. It was just crazy. It, it's awesome to see. Um, but then above the owners' stands, there was a the next level, which was like a press box area, and then a open top, um, almost like if ever, anybody's been to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, there's the top tier where you just get tables and chairs to sit at. Um, that's what this was. It was just chairs up there, um, tall bar chairs that you could like lean, see over the side um, and look down at the field. Um, so the field um, was able to hold a lot of people and, um, you know, maybe I can connect with April later um, in the next couple of days and get an exact number for you. But um, it, it was a good turnout. I was really happy with it. And um, <laughs> April, in talking to her, um, you know, she, she'd like to do it again. It was super fun. The... From what I understand, I didn't hear this from April, but I heard this from other people going around that, that the concession stands sold out. So that is a good sign as far as um, the fact that women's football uh, teams came there um, and they came to, um, you know, have the whole full experience. They were buying drinks. They were buying food. But my understanding is, is that the concession stands sold out of food. I mean, that's really good. Um, another big thing that I want to say as a shout out for women's football is um, on the live stream of the game, as of Sunday night, I'm sorry, Monday night, there were over 104,000 views, 104,000 views. That's where we need to be going, ladies. I really, um, I think that that shows not only the quality of the game, not only the quality of the picture and, you know, of the game on the live stream, but also the number of people interested in seeing women's football. I mean, I hear it time and time again. People talk about why, why is women's football not on TV? You know, you can go on these ESPN shows, ESPN 3 and ESPN 2 and you see curling and you see, um, not that curling's not a good, I'm, my family's from Canada, so not that curling's not a sport, but um, it's not the most fun sport to watch. Um, there's bowling, um, there's different, you know, mud wrestling, whatever. There's different things going on on these channels. So what do we need to do to get women's football on TV? And um, so hopefully here in the coming seasons, we'll be able to, um, come up with that answer or fix that fix that problem so I'm uh, super excited to see what happens here in this coming year um, my goal here at women's football success um, like I said I am co-owners of the Dallas elite women's football team in Dallas Texas um, but I've been doing this for a long time and I know that teams are still struggling and that's not to say that my team doesn't struggle at times <clears throat> Sorry about that. I've been talking so much in the last three days that my my voice is starting to go hoarse. Um, I have to say that pretty uh, pretty much all I mean, other than a handful of teams that are probably never struggling because they've just got the system down and and are running with it. 
um, that most of the teams in women's football are struggling in some sense or the other, whether it has to do with recruiting, whether it has to do with social media, whether it has to do with sponsorship, whether it has to do with getting coaching staff. Um, most teams are struggling in some form or fashion, and my goal is not to um, push those teams out or get rid of those teams, but to build them out up and give them the tools and knowledge to make their team successful. Now, again, if you listened to my show last week or um, a couple weeks ago, um, not everybody is uh, ready or prepared or interested in the right things to have a women's football team. Uh, I say it again, women's football, uh, owning a team is like six or seven businesses rolled up into one. Um, and each business requires different skills. I mean, there's different, you know, women's football, you have the quality of football, but you can have great, great football, but if you can't go out and get sponsors, you don't have money to travel. Um, same thing, you can have great, great football, but if you can't go out there and find coaches, then the p players aren't gonna stay around because the coaches are treating them bad. Um, you also have the merchandise and the sale of merchandise. That, that's completely different than creating a football, quality football team and quality football product. So uh, when it comes to women's football, there are so many different, it's almost like um, spinning plates at the circus. If you've ever watched that little thing where the, the woman, you know, split, spins the plates and sometimes she does it with dog on her head or something. But that may be what some of us feel like some days in women's football. But um, the idea is, is that all those plates need to be spinning at the same time all the time. So making sure your concession stands running smoothly, making sure that your um, coaches are doing what they're supposed to do and the players are doing what they're supposed to do and you're getting out there in the community. Um, it's a lot of different plates to spin, but um, my goal with women's football success is to provide um, the teams with the tools and knowledge and information to go do that. Um, I've really been, the last couple weeks, I've been focusing on the ownership part, portion of it um, just because I think that it it's really important that we have, that these teams have a really good foundation and have this stuff locked in. Um, and then I'm gonna switch over um, to doing a lot of concentration on the players here in the next couple weeks because, um, just like employees are the most important to a, a, an organization, the players are really the most important to a team um, because we need to make sure that the quality of play is good, but also the morale and the understanding of the game um, is, is up at the top levels. And in order to do that, um, we need to educate the players and prepare the players for what's to come in the next 364 days. So. Um, I hope everybody had a, um, what do you call it? I hope everybody had a great, uh, championship weekend. And if you weren't able to be there, go watch the recap. I mean, at, at worst, worst case scenario, it, it gives us the numbers to show, um, people at ESPN3 and ESPNW that, there's a serious number of people wanting to watch women's football. So um, go watch a recap, have a little viewing party, have some popcorn and rewatch it. Maybe see some things that you didn't see um, and maybe um, maybe use it as a tool um, f 
for your team and, and watch your position, you know. Watch how the center does things every time or watch how the running back um, works. So um, it could definitely be a, an educational tool as well, but that helps get those numbers up on the viewing. And the, all, all of the games are up there, so um, I hope you guys take the time to look at those and, and see what's going on in women's football in 2018. I'm going to transition really quickly here. Um, the other thing that I wanted to provide for you guys this week is my seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team. Now, with it being the just pat, you know, just the week after the WFA championship, um, I'm hoping that some of these people that are viewing the championship games on WSPN three or WSPN Deb or oh my gosh. ESPN3 or ESPNW um, or live streaming at some in some form or fashion, those 104,000 people, I'm hoping that there's a couple people out there that want to start a women's football team in an area that doesn't have a team yet. And if you're able to go map it out and look at different areas, um, there are some places that already have teams in them and the idea is not to start more teams in the areas that we have them in. The idea is to start teams in the areas we don't. So if you're in an area where there's not a women's football team in the WFA, um, then you need to connect with the league. And real quick, I'm going to put that out there. It's uh, www.wfaprofootball.com. And... Um, they have a join join the league or start a team tab that you can put your information in and the league will contact you. The, um, the most important thing is to understand that women's football is a business and that it, it's on the verge of major opportunity, major success, major opportunity. But in order to get there, uh, we need teams that are willing to do the work and understand the basic fundamental business aspects of it and the components that are necessary for us to be taken seriously as an industry. So, um, with that being said, um, I, I'm not affiliated with the WFA. I have no authority with the WFA. Um, I, I have a team that plays in the WFA. Um, I've In the past, I've had three teams that played with the WFA. Um, and I am very happy with the way they do things. And I feel that if you're going to be part of women's football, it's your responsibility and duty to do your research. Um, and determine where you want to be in women's football. Um, with that being said, my seven steps to jumpstarting your women's football team. If you are at all interested in women's football or starting a team, feel free to give me a call. But I'm going to run through my seven steps that I give and then I'm, I'll post these on the, the website as well. Um, the women's football success is a portion is a little tab inside my business consulting website, which is supersmallbiz.com. So supersmallbiz.com 
click in there, you'll see women's football success. And then inside that, I have the women's football success radio show. I have free resources. We have resources that are geared towards the owners, the players, the coaches, and the support staff. Um, so check it out if you want to. Um, but my seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team. So number one, you want to do some pre-planning. Before you get into women's football or if you're already in women's football and you feel like you're over your head, um, do a little bit more research. You're going to want to come up with a budget and a, play, a business plan so that you can determine if this is even something that's feasible. Um, we talked about even, especially in the owner suite, but I talked about it before that, you know, if you are in Montana um, and you start a women's football team, you are on notice if you do any research that there are no teams in Montana. So it might be a viable business option, but it might be what kills you because it's your responsibility to host four home games and go to four away games from your location. And then that doesn't count, you know, postseason play. But if you go through this whole research and this business process and this business planning process and you say, Psh, this is, I can't afford this and I can't get enough money from sponsors to pay for this, then don't start the business. It's as simple as that. But if you go through that process and you say, hey, I, you know, I'm in this area, I, I've got all these resources, I'm going to be able to host games, I, my, my field has locker rooms, it's going to cost me this much, I'm able to plan it out, bam, okay, then it's probably a good idea to start a women's football team there. So research, budget, business plan, and then uh, research what you want your name to be. I always tell people, I even go, go back in history, all the way back to the WPFL, and um, look at all the different names. If it's a name that's been created before, it's off the table. With all the 7 billion names that you can come up with, you shouldn't be trying to replicate or repeat or take somebody else's name. There are so you could be the Hornets, you can be the wife beaters, you can be the home wreckers, you can be the whatevers you want, but don't try and use the name that's already in existence. Anyways, so number one, research, come up with a budget, come up with a business plan, create your name. Number two, once you've done that, reach out to the league and register with a league. We're with the WFA. Women's Football Alliance on uh, on the internet. That's WFAProFootball.com. So register with a league. Make sure that they're going to approve you. Um, there are some reasons why you don't get approved. So before you go and register with the state and think that you have a, an organization, make sure that the league um, approves you as a team. Um, and they'll usually put you down on their um, page under Teams. Scroll down to the bottom to the teams that are coming next year. I think it's already the Indy, is it the Indy Crush? Um, let me look real quick. Let me see if I can get on. Sometimes um, today I'm working at home and uh, because I live in the country, 
Um, sometimes the internet works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, let me see here. Hold on just a second. WF, WFA teams by division. And then um, scroll down to the bottom. So there's division one, division two, division three, and then down at the very bottom, coming in 2019 is the Indy Crash. Now that's a team that was out there before. And then I see here in the Pacific, it's, I can't really read it, but it says some Lady Gades. Um, and that's a team that's been around before as well. Um, so they're coming back. So some teams, you know, they've, uh, um, you know, stopped for a moment and uh, to regain where they're at. Yeah, sometimes teams, um, you know, are on the road to, you know, I say on the road to success, but sometimes teams are, get into women's football and, you know, they have an off year, they have a bad year, they they can't recruit enough players for whatever reason, and uh, so they stop for a year, and then they come back. And usually that happens if the team left in good standing, um, they paid all their bills, they took care of business, um, there wasn't any problems or issues with them, so then they're able to come back. Um, so with that being said, check with the league first. Make sure everything's good to go. Make sure there's not already a team coming in in your city. Um, and then register your business with the state. Um, I will, for next week, make sure I have up all the different states um, for clicking on so that you can go straight to how to start a business in that state. And then number three in my steps. So pre-planning, right? Number two is registering. Uh, so registering with the league and registering with the state. Number three is contact information. So you want to set up whatever telephone number is going to be your main business line for your women's football team. Um, whatever address you're going to use. Some people use their home address. Some people use a P.O. box. Some people actually set up a, an actual location for players to come to. Um, so... You'll want to have your contact information, your address, and your uh, place of business. That's also going to go back into registering with your state because all that information is going to be needed for that. That's also going to be needed for your next step, number four, your social media. So you're going to want to set up a Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and a website. A lot of people don't do the website. I don't know why, but you're if you if you're not running a website, it, it's like twenty some dollars a month. The website really makes a huge huge difference, not only on um, how serious sponsors take you, but also for being able to create revenue, um, especially if you can connect your website to. Um, some platform that allows you to collect credit cards or debit cards. So let's talk a little bit about um, the idea is to get all whatever name you choose to then be able to go quickly to social media before everybody's talked about it or seen it or anything and go and register yourself for all of the different social media platforms with the same name. So ideally you want to have 
www.dallaselitewomensfootball.com, Facebook, dallaselitewomensfootball.com, you know, etc. All of the different um, social medias with your, the same name. If you're having to do DE football and then Dallas Elite and then Dallas Elite football, it really um, creates some confusion when people are looking for you. So the, the goal is to have them all the same. In some instances, some people have taken your name. Um, to, some people have set up like, uh, um, you know, there might be a Dallas Elite Gymnastics or, or something that is already in place that already has Dallas Elite in it. So then you're going to want to try to come up with a tag that is all the same. So you might have to go with Dallas Elite Women's Football through everything as opposed to just Dallas Elite. So um, let's talk website first. Website super important, like I said, to be able to collect debit cards and for people to be able to pay for things online. You can set up for your website to take not only sponsorships, but ticket sales and merchandise sales. Um, so it can be kind of the place, the go-to place, and you can even go there while you're at the gate um, to run credit cards if, if you wanted to. Next, the next number two, or I, one and two are website and Facebook. Facebook may even be one and website two, but Facebook is how people are getting to potential players, support staff, and fans. Now, 10 years ago, didn't matter. And even today, um, teams that have been around 10, 15 years um, are not taking social media as seriously as they should. But social media is the go-to place as far as getting connected with the outside world. Um, you can run ads if you want to. Some teams refuse to run ads. That's fine. Um, or put any money into uh, boosting posts or anything like that. That's fine. Um, what I do recommend is, and I'll get there when I, when I get to the next one, but... Um, on Instagram and Twitter, um, I do not recommend buying followers. Facebook, I guess you can do it too. You can buy likes and buy followers now. It, it looks really cool when you have 7,000 followers or 7,000 likes, but it really does not mean anything if they are not out buying your product. So if you have 7,000 followers, but you're still having the same amount of people come to the stands as somebody with 200 followers, um, then it's a waste of your money to buy followers or buy likes. Instagram is a platform for pictures. So that's really important for women's football to get those pictures out to people that are maybe connected to you um, through your social media. Now, the cool thing is Facebook and Instagram are connected together. So um, a lot of times Instagram will make recommendations to you and say, hey, so-and-so is a friend of yours on Facebook, but they're not a friend of yours on Instagram. Would you like to connect with them on Instagram? So you're able to kind of help create that circle of, of communication with them and they could see you and talk to you. YouTube is going to be for videos. Now your football games, any promos that you want to do, any kind of commercials, um, you'll want to put on YouTube. So having the same tag, the Dallas Elite Women's Football, for all of those, um, they'll be able to find your 
videos on YouTube. Now, Twitter is, if anybody knows anything about Twitter, I mean, you have a limited amount of space. They've actually upped the space, so it's better, but you have a limited amount of space to get your message out there. But really, the goal of Twitter is to communicate with a different um, audience, I guess, and get them to go back to your website or back to your Facebook. Um, you can share one of your Instagram photos on Twitter, which will then get them back to your Instagram and then get them to click on your website, something like that, or some combination of those steps to get them to know who you are. So real quick, to recap, uh, seven steps of uh, seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team. Number one was pre-plan. Number two is register. Number three is contact information. Number four, social media. Now, number five, six, and seven are intertwined. You can, either one could be five, either one could be six, and either one could be seven. But let me start with uh, connecting with sponsors. So you got a team, um, you're registered, you got your league, you got your contact information, you got all your social media, you've probably made some business cards. Now it's time to connect with some potential sponsors. So we are 360-ish days, um, well, no, not from the next season ending, but we're probably about 275 days from the next season starting. Let me, that's just a guess, I don't, that's not an exact number. But let's say we have 270 days. That is to be able to have all the funds to be able to play your home games, away games, buy jerseys, travel funds, uh, um, all these different practice equipment, play equipment, etc. Coolers, water, ice, all these different expenses that you have. So one of the most important components is to connect with your sponsors. That may be creating a sponsorship package and handing it out to all of the potential sponsors. That may be um, taking that sponsorship package to your players and having your players do it. Some teams um, require their players to sell sponsorships um, as opposed to pay for it themselves. Um, so there's many different ways that you can connect with these sponsors, but the goal is to get as much sponsorship funding as you possibly can um, so that the players don't have to do as much funding. And do, starting that early is most important. Um, even when it's your first um, couple weeks of being an actual team, go out in the community and find out what businesses are willing to sponsor and what they're willing to do for you. Now, it doesn't have to be money money for the sponsorship. It can be trade. It can be different things. Like, for example, um, some sometimes Walmart will do like a $75 um, donation of hot dogs, hot dog buns, mustard, ketchup, and relish um, if you're going to do a fundraiser in the coming weeks to raise funds. Um, some organizations, like you might have, I don't know, Palm. Uh, we have Palm Palm, which does the toilet paper here in Russellville, Arkansas. I mean, now you might not be able to go to that fundraiser or that potential sponsor and get $1,000 or $5,000 or whatever, but maybe they can donate you a case of paper towels. Um, we, one year we had a gentleman that donated us a ton of Powerade. We got, 
We got Powerade um, coolers. We got four of them. And we got like 75 boxes of Powerade. I mean, it was a crazy amount of Powerade. Um, we ended up actually using it for like two and a half years. Um, the amount of Powerade we have. The problem with that was that the uh, some of the Powerade was red. So it started to dye the jerseys when the girls would drink it. So we stopped using the the brighter colors. But anyway, with that being said, uh, hopefully you can find a jersey that doesn't get stained like that. Or um, buy the lighter or get the lighter colored uh, Powerade or Gatorade or whatever it is. So connect with those sponsors. Even if they can't give you value for value money, um, see what they can give you. Now, for example, a hairdresser, you know, a hair salon might not be able to give you $1,000, but maybe they're willing to do the hair of your, say, five players for a photo shoot. Um, or they're willing to come out and set up a table at your football field in exchange for $250. And there's various different options and you just not need to find out how the people in your community can help you and what you will accept as sponsorships in order to promote them and promote your team at the same time. So as I said, five, six, and seven in my seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team are interchangeable. Number six is hiring a support staff. Now, in women's football, um, most teams, it's done on a volunteer basis. There's no pay for this. So when I say hiring, you're hiring volunteer support staff. And let me say, I don't want to say anything about friends and family because they are all, we love our friends and family. We love them coming to the games. But you have to be hesitant about getting volunteers from friends and family because sometimes it doesn't work out very well, but then you're still stuck with those people for the whole year. So let me just give you an example. Um, for hiring support staff, now you're looking for people, not only coaches, right? Cause you need a lot of coaches, um, but also you're looking for event planning, uh, support staff, people to run the merchandise table, people run the ticket booth and the um, concession stand. You need people to do all this stuff. But for example, um, Jenny Smith is on the team and her husband decides he'll run the, the, the concession stand while they're playing the game so that you know she can be on the field and people can do other things, but they end up getting a divorce or they get they break up or whatever happens then you're out a concession stand person because they don't want to come to the games anymore. Or you're, stu you're stuck dealing with the drama that goes on in a situation like that. Now, we've been doing this for a long time and we've had situations that work out really well. Um, we've had uh, several support staff that have been with us for a long, long time and we can count on them for anything we have other support staff that just flake out and just don't show up and we never see again. Um, so it's all relative, but make sure when you're getting support staff, I always suggest that we get support staff from outside and that is because you can fire them. You get support staff from inside and they don't do their job. It's very difficult to fire them. 
Um, and if they're from outside, then you can hold them accountable. Um, you you know, you're, you hire somebody to do your live streaming and they don't show up for the game, then we need to go get somebody else to do live streaming. Um, if that's a friend or a family member of a teammate, it's much more difficult to replace that person even though they didn't do their job. So again, connecting with sponsors and hiring support staff are intertwined. Um, those are both, you know, you can do each of these all, these should be doing, be getting done all the time. And then number seven is recruiting players. So connecting with sponsors, hiring support staff and recruiting players are ongoing and they are the last three steps or the, the not necessarily the last three steps, but the three of the steps in jump-starting your women's football team. So real quick recap. First, you're going to pre-plan. You're going to research, budget, uh, get a business plan, create your name. Number two, you're going to register with the league and register with a state as an organization and do all the things that that entails. Number three, you are going to set up your contact information, your address, place of business. Number four, social media, website. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And then you are going to go out into the community and you're going to find yourself some players. You're going to find yourself some coaches and support staff. And you're going to find yourself some sponsors. And the sooner or the earlier you do that, the better. Because a lot of people see this in January and they, they, start, seeing, they start seeing advertisements for tryouts in December and January. And they decide they want to start a team in January. And it's almost too short a timeline to get everything done you need to get done from January to actually have enough players and be in good standing and ready to go on April, the first week of April, April 1st through 7th. Um, now, that's not to say it can't be done. It has been done. Um you can find out you own a team in February and have it done by April, but it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, so I want to um, do a shout out and thank everybody for visiting and listening to the radio show. Um, I was able to talk to a lot of people over the WFA Championship weekend, about 20 to 25 uh, owners um, that we were able to connect with. If you have any tips or suggestions, if you have any questions or concerns um, on how to do something within your women's football team, um, we have seen or we have been a part of those things and have fixed the problems or, or taken care of the issues. And if we haven't had that issue before, we know several owners that have had them and can reach out to them and ask them what they've done um, to fix that problem. So again, real quick, if you're interested in having a women's football team and you were one of the people that watched the live stream, the 100,000 people, um, or you went to the football game this weekend um, in Atlanta, or you've been to some football games in your community and you're interested in starting a women's football team, uh, reach out to the WFA Women's Football Alliance at WFAProFootball.com. Um, the league itself has about 65-ish teams, and we're looking to fill the holes in uh, areas where we don't have teams because it's a win-win situation for the, the teams around it, 
because it lowers their travel costs. And by having another team placed in the, that spot, it not only creates a better budget for you, but it creates a better budget for your, the other teams that you're competing with. So the seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team are pre-plan, register, contact information, social media, connect with your sponsors, hire your support staff, and recruit your players. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. This is Lynn Liberty Ellington with uh, Women's Football Success, episode 1816. It doesn't look like I'm going to have time to um, get on to um, some ideas for um, what you need to get started, uh, get ready for 2019. Um, next week, my goal is to provide you guys with a um, calendar that I'll go over, um, kind of the way I plan out the next um, 50 weeks or so. Um, and, and get that out to you guys so you guys can actually use that as a template. Um, if you look back at the last couple weeks, I provided a sample corporate sponsorship package. Um, you guys, um, if you want that, click on it. Uh, you put your email in so that it gets emailed directly to you. And we will send you the corporate sponsorship package sample. And then you guys can... Um, tailor that to the needs of your team and how your team runs things because each team um, does have the autonomy to um, run their team um, however they want within the rules of the league um, so you can set up different sponsorship packages than I've set up um, and we change those from time to time and we add and subtract them some off there um, but that was a template of um, typically what we do um, and a culmination of some different uh, corporate sponsorship packages that we've done before. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, it was great seeing everybody at the WFA Championship over the weekend. Um, I hope you like the seven steps to jumpstart your women's football team. And uh, feel free to email us at womensfootballsuccess at gmail.com if you have any um, ideas for some upcoming shows. Uh, but you can find all this information at www.supersmallbiz.com and then tab into Women's Football Success. Also, if you guys want to be a part of our Facebook group, go on to Facebook, go into groups and type in Women's Football Success. It's a private group. Um, you have to be either an owner, a coach, a player or support staff member, and that, need, that gets verified. And then you guys can get into that group and we can we can start chatting and communicating about um, what we can do to take women's football to the next level. You guys have a great weekend. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.